Hey guys, welcome to Product Explained, a show where we talk about products and the company's history and strategy behind them. I'm your first host, Jeff Lee. And I'm your co-host, Mike Alcazarin. Hey Jeff, why hasn't paying with thumbprints taken off yet? Why do we still have to deal with credit cards and chips and swipes and inserts? Well, we already pay with our faces now anyways. <laughs> Today, <laughs> we're talking about Square, a financial services and digital payments company. Yeah, so as, as Jeff mentioned, Square is a company that has a platform for helping businesses sell things. Their products range from you know pieces of hardware, physical devices like their Square terminals. <laughs> One of them looks like an iPod and a cash register had a baby. Um, it's giant <laughs> and clunky, but it's actually pretty, pretty futuristic and cool. All the way to their different hardware like credit card readers, ones that you plug into your phone and you can swipe or insert a chip card into Square also provides business services like scheduling, marketing, gift cards, reward programs, analytics, uh, really just a full suite of tools if you're a small to medium-sized business to help you be successful. They also have you know, made a foray into large businesses and helping large businesses with payment services and um, helping sell things with Starbucks, for example. Um, they had a partnership, I think, in 2016 that um, ultimately didn't pan out, but uh, it was interesting that they have operated at all sides of or all different levels um, of, of scale there. Uh, in terms of their business model, I think that their most widely known services and actually what we'll be talking about um, in today's episode primarily is their core offering, which is their their payment processing and small and medium business just services. So they sell their $99 square sand or POS, which is point of sale, not the other known acronym for, for POS. <laughs> and they, they charge the merchant a flat rate of 2.75% for each credit card transaction. Or if you do a manual entered sale, it's 3.5% plus 15 cents for each of those sales. They have different bundles that, that make it easy for customers to you know just pick and choose uh, you know what they want if you don't want to spend a lot of time figuring out all the different hardware and services that uh, Square has. So for example, uh, they have a restaurant package and that comes with a fully integrated hardware system that includes your your cash register um, or a point of sale system uh, and also something that they call the KDS, which is actually really slick. I saw this uh, when I was looking through the website uh, earlier today and uh, it's really cool. It's essentially a screen that shows each order and helps keep track of, you know, what's being made. And, you know, just an anecdote for that. So I remember first seeing this, I was probably at one of those rest stops in like, I want to say like a McDonald's off mm -hmm. like a major thoroughfare. And I remember like peeking in and seeing like a giant screen. And this was like, you know, I was probably like 12 or 15 years old. And uh -huh. it was just like that LCD type screen where it's like the old school green hacker text, the matrix text yeah, that's showing yeah. like what the orders are. But it was really cool because like someone would take an order and then it would tell the, the kitchen behind there. And I actually spent, you know, six years working as a line cook from you know, high school and college. And we were the furthest from having any kind of technology like this, <laughs> like in our <laughs> in our shop. It was, you know, someone uh, at the front counter, which uh, was like directly across from the kitchen because it was an open concept restaurant where you could see directly into the kitchen. Uh, where folks were cooking, uh, someone would take an order uh, via a piece of paper, and then they would turn around and slap it on the counter. And then we would have the head cook would look at this and then scream out orders <laughs> where uh, my buddy Mike would say, you know, um, like two burgers and like six fries. And then, you know, it's a steak fry or like a, you know, chicken finger. And it was really interesting just in terms of like an operations thing, because you start to like 
mentally manage your own like fry or your own like grill top based off of what food was coming in so if Mm -hmm. it was like you know a chicken finger order you know you'd had to drop those right away because that's going to be the long pull for getting anything done and in and that actually really helps me inform my day-to-day work as a product person (laughs) because i'm just constantly thinking of hey what is the thing that is going to be the critical path item that i need to get out and make sure everything else comes out hot and fresh all at the same time Mm. but my point being of this story, I would have loved to have a KDS or a kitchen <laughs> display system when I was working at Potler's, the uh, the ice cream shop uh, that I used to work at. Um, I didn't know this about you. I didn't know you were a line cook at an ice cream shop for six years even. I didn't know that. So you did yeah. it through college? Yeah, I, I did. It was like, yeah, two years of uh, college or sorry, uh, two years of high school or three years of high school and three years of college. Um so yeah, love love that job. I started six off years as, of college. You mean? <laughs> lots of people go to college for ten six years, years. Ten years of college. Exactly. They're called doctors. Um, <laughs> yeah, they make more money than I do, so <laughs> shouldn't <laughs> be <laughs> trashing on them. No, it's totally. Um, but yeah, I, I think everyone should work a customer facing job like that because I'm serving ice cream and cooking burgers and dropping fries into a fryer really gives you a lot of perspective <laughs> in the world. So for sure. Um, shout yeah. out to all my restaurant fan. I um I want to add my own anecdote here because my parents both owned restaurants when I was growing up and I have probably done everything in the restaurant except for cooking. I was like terrified of cooking, which is ironic <laughs> because now I like love to cook, but I think cooking for other people on a time crunch is not as enjoyable. Um, but yeah, the same thing. So we had a proprietary KDS. And so what would happen is uh, we'd punch new orders in so you'd like make a selection on is it a pickup a delivery like a takeout order then you'd start with a phone number so we'd always that's why usually when you call in they ask for a phone number and they kind of your phone number is your unique identifier so it's kind of linked ah. to your phone number and so it pulls up all your information your name it pulls up your address and if it's fancy it'll pull up your previous order so if you had any regulars you can just like repeat that last order and then make adjustments off of it and then from there, you can like add or remove, let's say like extra sauces or like add chicken or remove chicken or do whatever. You had to know how to navigate the system, right? So mm-hmm. in our restaurant, we had, I don't know, like F18 was like fried something like, I don't know, or like C20 was like some sort of chicken. So you can punch that number in if you knew it, or otherwise you'd have to navigate the system like by category. So you'd have to go, let's say if you go to meats, uh, you go to like steak or beef, you can go that route and then you can search through the catalog and tab up or down to find whatever and do all those crazy things. And then it would spit out like the subtotal at the bottom. And then from there, I'd go from that computer over to, let's say, the cash register. And if it was like a takeout or a pickup order, then you would use that cash register to give out like change or cash. So I'd always hate when people would not pay with credit <laughs> card because then you'd have to like do some mental math or like type it out in that cash register. And that cash register is super old school and was like extremely loud when it opened and like yep. it was jarring. And if you like gave people the wrong cash, it was kind of awkward. But honestly, when you do that job for some time and you're crunching the cash numbers in your head, like you're, you're able to make change really, really quickly. Yep. Um, but I can't do that anymore. I'm like, oh, let me pull out my <laughs> phone and like split it six ways or whatever. But I just thought it was really funny. So whenever you put in an order, the order would go to the back. We had a printer, an old school printer in the back. It was printed on basically like perforated paper that had like two sheets. So it was like white sheet on top, yellow sheet on bottom for a printed copy. So you'd have one for record keeping and one you could use as the order. So you'd slip that up for the chef to like look at on the other side and they would like make sure all the orders done right. And then they pass that over to you. And if you're packing the order, you'd again, cross off all the things 
that you knew had been cooked and put together. You'd package it up if it was a to-go order in a bag and then you'd like get off and going. But yeah, like super crazy. Like I can't imagine having a really nice system now (laughs) considering when I was a kid and I I was working in a restaurant, the most technology we had was like a CD player. So like it's pretty crazy to see that they have something like this. And I can definitely imagine that uh, restaurants can definitely benefit for utilizing like a very smart system. Yeah, totally. I mean, even just in terms of like the data, the data analytics, I remember at the end of every single day, something that we had to do, it was usually like the head like line cook, we would write down the temperature and the weather of that day. Mm-hmm. So we could understand if there's a correlation between like, like weather and like time. Oh, you're in an ice cream shop too. Yeah, exactly. And then we would, also, right. like, we would also have like, an, uh, like a weekly event called Tuesday Cruise Nights where all these, and that was like our craziest days ever. But basically, it was a classic car night. So it was like a 1950s style like diner, like half ice cream, mm-hmm. half like just fried food and burgers and all that jazz. And so, yeah, Tuesday nights were always crazy. And I remember we would break records and it was always kind of cool. We'd have like a mini celebration of like, hey, like we hit like 450 meals like that day. But that was a ton. Like you were just exhausted after those. Yeah. But in terms of like your point, I can't imagine any form of technology in that space because like in – in our world, I would actually prefer the cash customer because the because the credit card customer they would actually you would need to type in manually into the pad what the uh, oh, what yeah, the order yeah. was. So I was right. always worried that I would like type in like the wrong number and then you'd have to reset the whole like system and it was just a disaster. So yeah, I would love to have a restaurant that has the KDS by Square just so I could see it <laughs> and just live that life as like a line cook again um, there. Did you ever have to balance, I don't know if you had to do this as a line cook, but like I had to balance credit card orders at the end of the day. You basically go through all the orders and figure out all the totals and then you'd like print out some sheet and you can even do it by like, there was a way to do it by let's say delivery driver. So you would know at the end of the day, how much did they sell? Like how many orders did they take? They would give you back all your slips. So you'd sum all those up and then you'd remove all the credit card orders. So that would include all the tips or whatever. And then they might owe you some negative balance. So they might owe you some cash and everything else they got to keep. So that's how that's how the delivery orders work. Sometimes like it, the credit card orders would be so large or like you, you might get an instance where they're tipping re- really well. And so like they actually don't owe you anything at all. And other times like they have to owe you some level of cash because usually people pay in cash. But I think over the years, we started to notice less and less people paying in cash. So we didn't have to worry about them paying anything that they owed us because everything was in card. And we actually sometimes would have to pay them out because they would give over in tips though. That's wild. It, yeah. It's I think it just goes to show like these all these businesses, like there's so many nuances. Like just you describing the order taking process and everything that went into it, there's so many steps there where something could go wrong yeah. with like human error that like it's it's fascinating that something as seamless as like this like KDS and Square is filling this like very <laughs> very needed niche to help like businesses run more efficiently and have access to like state-of-the-art technology at a, at a really good price. So another uh, switching back gears into the business model of Square, Square is a company, which I didn't know before researching this. <laughs> they also own Cash App, which I have never used before. I've only see it, seen it as like a meme on like Twitter where someone's like, you know, find me on Cash App. <laughs> but, um, you know, my, my working assumption going into this episode was that Square's payment services, like their you know transaction and their cash register and all their cash intake platforms for businesses would be the primary revenue source for them, but it's actually Cash App. And I had no idea that Cash App 
could make money. <laughs> and so it's it's crazy because like in the 2020 fiscal year for Square, the Cash App generated 1.2 billion dollars in gross profit and 63 percent of their revenue, which is totally wild. And like we're not going to cover that in this episode, but my understanding it was mostly off of uh, Bitcoin transactions where you can buy Bitcoin from Cash App. So yeah, bit of a bit of a side note there, but um, just blew my mind when I was looking into this. I think Cash App is like for the Gen Zers more than like we're like Venmo users and we feel like Venmo is like pretty cutting edge. Until recently, a friend of mine was like, hey, you should use Cash App. It's like a lot better. And I was like, oh, whatever. I actually didn't realize that Cash App had been around since 2013. Like I thought really? Cash App. Yeah, it, it launched in 2013. I thought Cash App had been around for like maybe a couple of years, like maybe five years at max. But they've been around for some time, so it's pretty Proof that we're dinosaurs, Jeff. We are dinosaurs. Dinosaurs that talk into podcast mics. The other thing to kind of touch on really quickly was I remember Square kind of taking off for a lot of these small mom and pop businesses. The first example I can remember of someone using Square was in college. There was a small popsicle operation called King of Pops in Atlanta, and they would come to our farmer's market on campus every Thursday, and they would sell popsicles. But the problem was... You either had to pay in cash or in that time you couldn't like walk around with like a credit card machine because you had to plug it into like a phone (laughs) jack or something like that. So when Square came out, I remember them having that Square device, the original Square device that you'd plug into your phone's audio jack and they were able to take credit cards. I was like, this is incredible. And I, of course, bought more and more popsicles because it was so easy at that point (laughs) instead of having to like find cash, like I needed cash to go get ice cream or whatever. But I noticed like a lot of smaller operations picking these things up because they might not have a brick and mortar and they can just kind of go around and sell these items ad hoc outside of like a cart or you know a stand i imagine with the big boom in food trucks that kind of happened in the late 2010s uh, a lot of people were using square because they're on a truck and they can't plug into like any real infrastructure like internet or anything like that so their only internet source was their phone so i do think it was pretty incredible let's say there's like a Girl Scout troop selling cookies, like 99% of the time they have like a square device. They're just like, oh, let me give you a card. They'll swipe it and then you'll be on your way. But totally. yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I think it's definitely opened up um, the possibilities for some of these small independent operations. So let's talk about the history of the product. So the original idea came to Jack Dorsey, famously of Twitter. I and mean, it came to him in 2009 when his friend Jim McKelvey couldn't sell $2,000 worth of glass faucets and fittings, which is really random, by the way. I mean, I don't know why. He <laughs> it's would <be> very selling... <laughs> weird. Yeah. I, but I also understand why he wouldn't want to sell that in cash. But he couldn't sell it because he couldn't accept credit cards. So the two of them kind of came together and came up with this idea of this portable reader to use your cell phone. And again, remember in 2008, 2009, smartphones are just kind of kicking off. Uh, Square Reader was their very first product. So as we mentioned before, they plugged right into the audio jack of your phone and the name square came from the fact that their readers were square shaped so pretty catchy name i think you know between twitter and square those are pretty very tech names <laughs> totally uh, he's got the, uh, the the market cornered on you know really short pithy names yeah um, exactly. but yeah the, when the square reader came out i remember this blowing my mind because yeah to your point i, I grew like i grew up with like like in that kitchen with a credit card machine 
tied directly to the ethernet and if we were having a bad phone connection day it was like a nightmare for for the credit card machine so to take that wireless was huge yeah i also wondered at the time because i guess like square technically came around first and then venmo came later but when venmo came around i was always asking like do you just take venmo instead and for like the longest time businesses wouldn't be taking venmo is only like social payment personal apps so I, I found that really frustrating but you know whatever i think now you can kind of pay with whatever you want in 2012 verifone publicly shamed square by stating how easy it was to actually write an app to skim credit cards due to Square's lack of encryption. So for those of you that are unaware, Verifone is like a well-known like point of service payment processing company. It's been around for quite some time, I think since the 80s. And I think they're still around today. I think they have provided like some credit card machines for a lot of people. They're kind of a big company. So what they did was they put up a sample video on their website of how someone could be skimming credit card information from a Square device. And I feel like that's the most ultimate petty move ever is to like call out your competition and then put a video of how exactly to, to like to like bring them down on their video. I feel I'm surprised that they weren't sued for this, but like totally. I feel like it's really funny that they did this. It reminds me of those like movies ad, movie ads for anti-pirating. It's like you wouldn't steal a car. <laughs> it's yeah. like downloading a song. Yeah, um, it's like all right, dude. Like this is a bit much. But but the funny thing with that though is like you know, and all of my like non. American friends will understand this. And I didn't click to me until I went to like London where it's like, you know, super weird in the States how you give your credit card to someone and they walk away with it. Like that Mm -hmm. just doesn't happen in South Africa or anywhere else in the world or like London. It's just a U.S. thing because if someone could just take down your credit card number, you know, and like and steal that. I think like the US has a really good like trust system built into the financial system and verification and risk model that's built in. So I think, you know, credit card companies are expecting some certain percentage of fraud every year due to that. But it's so interesting. I remember coming to grad school and going to a restaurant with some of my friends from South Africa and their minds were just blown. They're like, you just gave your credit card to someone. I'm like, yeah, it's just normal. You just do that. And they're going to walk away and plug it in. So yeah, I guess like how else do they pay? They bring the machine to you. Is that yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the, the Verifone machine would be brought to you. Uh, I see. I mean, like back in the day, a very, very long time ago, and this kind of shows how long I've kind of been in restaurant industries. Back in the day, delivery drivers would carry a this like card imprinting machine. Have you ever seen one of those? Oh, yeah. The Home Alone machine. I, I I don't remember what it looked like in Home Alone, but yeah, basically you put your credit card down on this like this ink imprinting paper and then you would run a basically like a block over that card and it would imprint onto like a kind of receipt paper and then you'd give the person back their card and you would take that imprint later and you'd punch that in uh, to the credit card machine or like there was a way to like get a receipt that way. But that's essentially like what can happen here is that like somebody can really quickly copy over some of their information and then you'd kind of figure out all that stuff. So kind of moving on, basically Square was like, that's not fair that you're assessing us for this. It's not a fair assessment. It's not accurate. And then they later introduced stronger encryption, which is hilarious. (laughs) And then since then, they've kind of done a lot of pretty interesting things with their platform. So in 2013, they launched Cash App, as Mike and I alluded to. They also launched the Square Stand, which was, you know, an iPad basically on a swiveling stand that connected to Square's platform. And then they started to support Android devices. In 2014, they started to accept chip cards because a lot of the credit cards were moving away from just the magnetic stripe. And also in 2014, they acquired Caviar, which is a delivery food service very similar to Uber Eats. 
Uh, and they also launched Square Capital, which was basically a small business loan service that people could go to Square and get some sort of money for some sort of interest in exchange. In 2015, they launched Square Payroll, which was a tool for small and medium businesses to manage payroll, again, alluding to all the different services and products for these small and medium businesses. In 2015, they launched uh, contactless payment credit cards. So obviously, after chip cards, people were doing like NFC cards. In 2017, the Square Register, which is a point of sale system, was launched. In 2018, they launched an API for customer interfaces uh, so that you could basically build out a payment platform online that looked like your own, but is essentially powered by Square. I think this is probably in direct competition with Shopify is my mm-hmm. guess. It's really interesting just like looking at like those past, like those you know, 2013 to 2018, and just looking how they started as payment processing and just you know, exploded into other things, all focused around like helping small and medium sized businesses and just continuing to grow there. So I, I really like that just from a strategic level going from payments all the way to, you know, cut a custom API. Um, and then in 2019, Square actually sold Caviar over to DoorDash because DoorDash was more in the business of gig economy and moving food around. So they just kind of traded it back over. In late 2020, Square put 1% of their total assets into Bitcoin, which was at the time $50 million. (laughs) I believe it ended up making about $220 million in value. And they again purchased another $170 million more in Bitcoin somewhere in early 2021, which is close enough to the date of this publication. So I believe right now they're just shy of $500 million in terms of like Bitcoin assets within the Square portfolio. I love that. And that's a... Yeah, it's it's super, super, super interesting. I I laugh, but it's actually, you know, brilliant. I mean, (laughs) eventually, like crypto is going to just be more like, like accepted and, you know, used asset. It's actually interesting. I remember going to my first, my first time ever buying legal pot was in the state of Washington. And the only way you could use a credit card because it was illegal, um, it it still is um, at the federal level and credit card companies won't take um, won't process marijuana uh, charges is that the they, the shop that I went to had a point of sale system that had a had a credit card reader that you would purchase Bitcoin in or you would purchase Ethereum. I think it was actually purchasing Ethereum. Anyway, some form of cryptocurrency. And then the crypto would be sent to the shop for whatever you were buying. So you technically weren't buying marijuana. You, you were buying crypto. uh, cryptocurrency. So huh. it, it was kind of interesting where I felt like... Uh, <laughs> Crypto, I, I, I'm very bullish on crypto, and I think it has a very important place in the in the financial uh, world. But I felt like I was living, you know, the traditional fear mongerers version of cryptocurrency, where like they're going to buy drugs and do illegal things with it, <laughs> and there I was buying pot buying drugs <laughs> with my Ethereum, doing you know, quote unquote, illegal things with it. I guess like, how do they make money? They probably skim off the. You probably pay a fee. It was outrageous. Yeah, it was yeah. like a it was like a 30% fee. But I was like, fuck it, I'm buying drugs. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm buying pot today. That's hilarious. Yeah, I, I think it's really funny. Yeah, I wonder how is that for every place, though? Because I mean, credit cards yeah. are still federal, right? So do they have to do some sort of transfer? Yeah. Or so can you pay with debit? No, I, I think as far as I know, it's only cash for all these businesses. Um, that's huh. how it was in Washington State. And it's a huge issue because you have uh, an all cash business. That is <laughs> supposed to be taxed. <laughs> well, yeah, A is supposed to be taxed, but also it's really dangerous. Like these yeah, people it's a whole have lot to of cash, right? Yeah, they, people have to move like millions of dollars in, in cash. So it's just a huge risk for these, uh, you know, cannabis businesses that are trying to trying to operate. So I think that whoever can crack that nut for how to, you know, digitally move 
assets for cannabis is going to just you know absolutely rake up. So I don't know if it's going to be Square, if it's going to be another player, um, but it's all going to depend on the the regulations. But uh, just legalize it. <laughs> I mean, eventually, right? Like that's a, that's a short term solution is to figure out how to solve this problem. But like the the long term solution is it's probably going to get legalized. Then we'll have to won't be an issue anymore. Exactly. Um, sorry for the anti pot folks at home. And then lastly, what's kind of interesting is recently Square purchased a majority ownership of Tidal, which is a music streaming service, which was co-founded by Jay-Z. And so Jay-Z is actually joining Square's board as part of this acquisition, which I think is very interesting. Like Square kind of makes sense when all the stuff that they're doing, it's like, oh, we're mostly a small and medium business services and products company. But then they're like, but we're going to buy this music streaming app. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I wonder where that falls into the, their strategic thinking. I could imagine it has to do with more of like their cash app um, and maybe they're mo- moving more towards like some sort of service that ties in with like music subscription, definitely more consumer facing, you know, mm-hmm. Square has been definitely very business facing. So that's where I think Jay-Z, Jay-Z's business mind would, would come in and just reaching uh, the masses with, with customers. So um, speaking of customers, we can talk about <laughs> who Square is for. So Square customers, at least how I think about it, is the small and medium retail businesses. So I think Square, I think local coffee shop, I think local boutique that accepts this payment. And I think it ties into what the mission and vision is of Square. If you go to their website, you can read right on their site. They leave the statement that says, I quote, no one should be left out of the economy because the cost is too great or the technology is too complex. And I think they've really found success doing that. Just, you know, taking all that complexity that Jeff was talking about at his parents' restaurant of like, you know, you do this, then this, then this, then this, and this, and then maybe you get an order. And then if someone else does it, you could mess everything up at the end. <laughs> you know, there's so many different spots where you could fall in. And my experience as a line cook, it's the same deal as like me getting orders from someone screaming at me to say, drop some fries into the basket, <laughs> like isn't very efficient. So I think Square has found success. They have a, a free system for their free point of sale software. And they say that they have 2 million merchants that are using this free POS software. In 2019, if you look at their revenue, they made $3 billion in transaction revenue for payment services and then another billion dollars in subscription revenue. I, I know just as a customer of like my local hair shop, Joy's Barber Shop, uh, shout out to Joy, awesome, awesome uh, haircut there. But she just started adding Square scheduling and it's really mm. delightful where nice. I can just, if I need a haircut without ever picking up the phone and talking to someone, I can just reserve the barber that I want and the time I want, like in the services that I want. So I imagine for her where she used to have to take that over the phone, it just saves like another person that she needs to hire and she can do what she loves to do, which is, which is cut hair. That's awesome. That's super incredible. I, I mean, I, it is really neat that they have built out this product from the lens of a small and medium business owner. Everything else is like they fix one small corner of the problem. Mm-hmm. Like they're only a scheduling app or they're only for payments or they only do payroll. But it's cool that they have kind of done this end-to-end solution and provide these packages, like you said, like restaurant package or, or whatever. Talking about their competitors in this space. So PayPal is one that comes to mind. Obviously, PayPal does a lot of payment and financial services. They are also the owner of Venmo because Venmo is a direct competitor cash app. We kind of have to list that here. In terms of specifically point of sale, Clover is one of the, I think probably the second biggest point of sale hardware system that I've seen. I I think Square I see very commonly. And then if I don't see Square, I see Clover. It's funny Um, because I think Clover is like West Coast and then Toast 
is East Coast because oh. I think uh, Toast is a is a Boston company. So it's, ah, gotcha. it's funny how you get that East Coast West Coast life going on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I think both of them still fall probably secondary to, oh, to for Square. Sure. Yeah, I see Square the most. We have Shopify on here as a competitor. We mentioned earlier that uh, Shopify provides a lot of payment platform and services for specifically for e-commerce, which is something that Square is starting to kind of break into. Verifone, we mentioned earlier, QuickBooks, which is traditionally used for a lot of the payroll services and some of the financial services that small and medium businesses need to consider, like balancing their books, taxes, things like that. There's also Shopkeep on here, which I'm not as familiar with, and then Stripe, which Stripe is mostly payment processing. So they will provide an interface kind of similar to Shopify, but mostly focused just on the payment portion. They provide a way for you to put on a payment method access onto your website, and then they do all the processing on the back end, just like any other major credit card company. Yeah. And I think the only other one that I would call out is just like Apple and Google trying to do like Android Pay, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah. Google Pay. It definitely hasn't really taken off, but it seems like Google and Apple are positioned to do it without any services or hardware where they can just, you know, use your phone, which is like everyone's id is essentially directly tied to their to to their phone so yeah um, i guess the only difference is that they aren't on the consumption side like all these other ones are the intake right they take the credit card information they handle the processing and they charge some fee whereas like apple pay is basically a digital equivalent of your card mm -hmm. so they, they don't charge like nobody gets charged to use apple pay but on the other end you get charged to use like the pos service at whole foods for example Totally. Um, well, I guess I'm. I guess I'm thinking of like, they're not competitors yet, but um, right, right, yeah. Like they're 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 positioned where they would just cut out that completely. Um. So let's talk about our thoughts. I um. I'm happy to jump in. So I think overall, if you think about Square as a end-to-end service platform for small and medium businesses, I think they've got some really interesting stuff going on. You've mentioned that they have a scheduling offering. They obviously offer payroll. They offer a way to process payments, which is kind of the biggest thing. They offer some proprietary software to handle orders, like kitchen, KDS, kitchen systems. I, I think all that's like super cool. I am a little confused about their strategy overall. Like, why did they acquire title and like where did caviar kind of fit into I mean I guess like delivery service is part of like restaurant right so end to end restaurant servicing so yeah I, I'm like a little bit kind of iffy on the strategy in terms of customer experience I think it's been great every time I go to like a boba shop for example or like a small restaurant usually these fast casual type restaurants will have some sort of point of sale service and like I said from before 70% of the time, it feels like it's a square device. So they're definitely out there all the time. And I do enjoy that they offer a way for food carts, Girl Scouts, <laughs> food trucks to be able to like handle credit card payments. And so it's good for the business owners, but it's also great for me because now I don't have to carry cash and I don't have to like totally. fumble away for like try to find, you know, $5.25 and pay that person or whatever. And I can just now tap my phone on that point of sale device and scan. So it's super, super easy for me to spend money. And because it's easy, I spend more money. So win-win <laughs> all around except for me. The Popsicle business is booming. Yeah. Uh, just a side note, I think King of Pops actually started a brick and mortar service. So if you're ever in Atlanta and you're interested in getting popsicles from a local, I guess I call them a vendor, but yeah, King of Pops is now around all different venues and stuff. So really, really good. Sponsored by Jeff Lee, you know, with all yeah, those like exactly. extra popsicle sales. <laughs> I know, I know. I'd be happy with just a box of popsicles a month and they'd, they'd kick back. I think that would be 
That'd be a good sponsorship for us. But overall, I'm going to give Square a 4.2. Again, I think like most of the stuff that they've done has made sense. I do question like how they kind of fit all this under the small and medium business service slash product umbrella. I guess if you take out the title acquisition, everything else makes a lot more sense. <laughs> but like even buying Bitcoin to me, and I know Tesla's done this kind of recently, like does that make them a investment firm? Like why would, you know, that's just kind of strange how they kind of, I mean, it's asset management at the end of the day, but I'm just kind of curious about why they're doing that. But overall, pretty happy with Square. I think they've really enabled a lot of businesses to kind of pop up and grow over time, providing them a really easy way for them to manage all the stuff that is logistically a headache and then help them focus on their craft, which is making food, building product, et cetera, and selling those things. So for me, a 4.2. Yeah. And I'm right there with you for all the reasons that you stated. Um, I'm going to say 4.25 because just knowing that you I think your last point that the businesses don't need to worry about all the stuff that they're not experts in. You know, they're not, you know, payment processing experts. They're not scheduling experts. You know, they're, you know, people that make things, make food, make great experiences for customers. So um, I love that Square is able to just, you know, help take out the middleman and make it easier. I I do agree that my negative (laughs) sentiment is coming from just general confusion for the title acquisition as well. To your point, caviar definitely makes sense with like, you know, expanding to like the whole like restaurant, like vertical. I think they uh, they let go of it a little bit too early. It'd it'd be interesting to see if it was more successful um, now. I just think all of those types of businesses are are definitely popping off. So yeah, 4.25 out of 5 for me. Yeah, so those are our thoughts on Square, and we'd love to hear from you, our audience. So uh, definitely reach out to us. Uh, you can find us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at Prodex Podcast. That's P R O D E X Podcast. Yeah, and if you like the show, be sure to like us and subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. And let us know what products we should review next. See you next episode.